spectacle, the greatest show of all, Johnny Bang Bang Show. Here's your host, Robert Hippard. That's me, that's me, I am the one and only, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Gifford is my name, Johnny Bang Bang Show is the game, and we are here with season one episode. Episode Double Digits. That's a 1-0, ladies and gentlemen, and I am very thankful that you've been along for the journey for this long. I'll tell you what, man. The next 10 episodes are going to look and sound completely different than the first 10. You know, we've been making some moves here. Like I said on the last episode, this is going to be an experimental phase unlike anything else, and it's only going to get better because in the next 10 episodes, you'll be hearing... Well, we'll be taking your calls first and foremost. We'll be taking going live, hopefully, here in the next 10 episodes. You know, hopefully we can make this thing a little bit more user-friendly and have a little a lot more crowd engagement. Um, I'm very uh, I've been very appreciative of the feedback thus far, and especially the numbers that we've been getting per episode. Um, it's 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 one of those things that you don't expect, especially when you you, you approach it just kind of like a hobby to see what kind of sticks. And uh, I've enjoyed you know the daily conversations that I have with my friends, and you know, and actually a couple of these strangers out there that I've never met before that have you know reached out via email and just kind of uh, you know asked questions and wondered how I started the show up. So lots and lots of fun it's been so far, but it's only going to get better. And uh, speaking of better. I, I kind of went out on a limb the other day uh, Mon- or, uh, after Monday Night Raw and talked about how the show needs to get better. And, uh, you know, I think what's happening is, and this is something that we've touched upon in the past, but I think what's happening is, again, it comes back to this whole idea that you need to have 50-50 booking. You know, some wrestlers just aren't going to get pushed. I've mentioned that, but here's the problem with it. If you have people like Apollo Crews, who's uh, finally starting to get some recognition, that's the kind of the language you hear, right? You, you, you kind of, you, you look through your social media comments and you look through some of the social media comments on the WWE page and it's like, oh, Apollo Crews, I have no emotional attachment to him, you know, so why should I care? Well, that statement is true. But then you read the next line, it says, uh, underutilized, underutilized, underutilized. Okay. Well, I don't think he is. I think when he was first brought in, he was exactly there to do exactly what he does, and that's the high spots, the you know, impress the crowd with his athleticism. But unfortunately, he just hasn't shown much personality, you know, un- until now. Well, you could grant me with the idea that he hasn't had the opportunity. You know, you put a microphone in front of his face. Well, this isn't his first promo. You know, the, it's not just Apollo Cruz. It goes with guys like Ricochet. Ricochet's a great in-ring performer, right? But he is that. He does these incredible acrobat things, these high spots, and I I don't know what you're supposed to do with that when it comes to storytelling. Because Ricochet now in his 20s isn't going to be able to do all of that in his 40s. So I'm not getting on him just yet in the sense of, you know, if you can do it now, you should. But there's got to be more depth to your character. You can blame it on creative. I blame it on the individual just for the fact that Ricochet has been handed every opportunity. In my opinion, he's had plenty of air time. He just lacks this emotional investment from the fan to the character. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know... You get to a certain point when you're playing the lottery that if you win $10 million, 
the idea of winning 20 million, it's like, yeah, 20 is a higher number, but the numbers are so astronomical that it's, you know, it, it really becomes blurred at that point. Well, when you see one guy do one high spot, and, and these guys are so damn athletic and talented now, they're all doing these types of high spots. It's like, what are you really doing to stand out? And you got to be able to do more than the 450 or the 620, whatever the heck these splash, you know, the circle radiuses that they're doing. You got to be able to do more. And I think what's happening is, is you get these smart marks, you know, these, these, these internet trolls that think they know more than everybody. They get on these websites, they get on these social media platforms, these Twitter machines, and they basically, they attack everything WWE does and say that, you know, these guys need to be pushed more. Well, Apollo Crews is not one of them. He's going to get a shot here, and we'll see. I'm not saying he's not worthy of, of getting creative behind him. What I'm saying to you is, is he hasn't been worthy up until now. Okay, well, maybe they're changing his character a little bit. Well, you've had to. That's the obvious. You can't just say, oh, now he's given a chance. No, he's had a microphone in front of his face before. He's the smile-happy, glee guy that is just happy to be there. Oh, and by the way, he ain't really there to take, you know, kick, kick the, or the shit out of you. That's a problem. I want my, my, my superstars to be, you know, a little bit more than just smiling uh, um, figureheads. So to get them off my soapbox, I guess, on that and to transition over to somebody who is underutilized, if I'm Elias, I'm pissed. Because Elias is a superstar that should be getting way more opportunities than he's been given. He's a hell of a lot more than a guitar. I know that. And that, 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 even though it seems like they're kind of getting away from that a little bit, they still lean on that as a crutch way too often. So I remember in the late 90s, early 2000s, the rosters that were there, I said were stacked. We talked about them being whales. Well, let's compare that to today's roster. Are those guys sharks back then? Are they sharks now? And was, was there 50-50 booking back then or now? You would, you would have to make the argument that there was 50-50 booking now, and back then, every single superstar that was signed kind of knew their role. If you guys watched the Last Dance documentary that was just on ESPN, it was a 10-part documentary, and it was great. And the reason the Bulls were so damn good for so damn long is because every single player on that team knew their role. The Alpha and the, and the Omega was and always was Michael Jordan. Started with him, ended with him, Period. Period. It was then going to be any other way. That's your Stone Cold Steve Austins of the world. That's the Undertakers. That's the, that's the Seth Rollins and the Roman Reigns. Those guys are the Alpha Omega. Those guys are the two, or those guys are the top of the chart. And then you have your people like Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen is the, the great number two. You know, those guys are your, right now, would be like your Aleister Blacks. You know, you're, you're Christians from back in the day. Um, those are the, the, you need those types of mid-card superstars that, I'm not saying Aleister Black can't be a superstar because I think he's well on his way, but right now, he's exactly where he needs to be. He's one of the few examples of a guy that's actually being pushed the right way. Slow burns. Now they're starting to get into a little bit more competition. You know, he's not fighting jobbers every week. That's the way it should be. Then you have people like Dennis Rodman. You know, he's the gritty. He's going to go out there. He's going to entertain you. He's going to do some of the witty stuff. He's not just there for comic relief, but he does present that comic relief. You know, these are your R-truths of the world. 
Now, Dennis Rodman was one hell of a piece of that puzzle. If without him, you might not win a championship. But the point is, is that you're not going to get the greatest variety show of all time without the Santino Morellas, without the R-Truths, okay? Without Al Snow and, and coming out with a mannequin head. You know, it is those types of pieces that make a variety show, which is what Vince McMahon is all about. This is the type of thing that makes, well makes it worth watching. You know, if I'm going to turn on a show, especially WWE for, or Raw for three hours, I need to see the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders with a little bit of comic relief. You know, one week it, it's their turn to step up to do that part while Edge and Orton are very, very dark and it's very, very serious. you got to have that type of variety in any type of program. You can't just have what it's kind of been and Busted Open talks about it a lot, about how cold the show has been, a little bit stuffy. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with this 50-50 booking. Today's roster, and because they're listening to the WWE Universe more than ever, it's one week I'll fight this guy, I'll get a win. The next week I'll fight this guy, I'll get a lose or a loss. And it's like... That does not seem to make the needle move. That's the problem. You're going to have guys like Apollo Crews who are going to come out and they're going to put up one hell of a fight and they're going to get their ass kicked because somebody like Seth Rollins needs that win. Why? Because Seth Rollins is the freaking show. Drew McIntyre is the freaking show. They've got more talent more mid-card talent today than ever before. You know, what was great was that if I look at the 90s roster, and I'm just going to, let's look at 99, okay? The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, The Undertaker, Kane, Edge, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, okay? These are the names that are at the top of the list for a reason. I mean, you had Chris Jericho just getting there. He wasn't a top-tier guy yet, he was pretty, he was on the fringe. He was kind of introduced to us that, and he damn near carried the ball and did a pretty good job with it. But my point is, is that those guys are your superstars. They won more times than they lost. And then when you had these confrontations where they fought each other, the matches felt larger than life. You see, FS1 the other day, they just pre- uh, they just had a celebration of WrestleMania 3, the uh, the 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 one of the touted best wrestling matches of all time between uh, Randy Macho Man Savage and uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and it was top five, top ten greatest wrestling matches of all time, hands down. That's there's no way to dispute that. The thing is, is that during that time, both of those guys had emotional investment by the crowd, and both of those guys had their characters flushed out, well developed by that time, so that when they fought. It felt like what Gorilla Monsoon used to call a happening. Same thing you have with Randy Orton and Edge. You've got nine years of history. They could literally take this this rivalry and carry it out all year and add in different wrinkles and different elements and you guys would watch it, eat it up, and love every single one because there's that much history between each or behind each character and each character has that much um Uh, layers and levels and peel or onion peels to them. It's just one of those things that if you have emotional investment matched with the amount of time put into them and flush out these characters, then you have 
what's called a happening. You don't have that right now with a Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens, who are two of your better people on the show, but you still haven't really flushed out those characters because Kevin Owens comes, Kevin Owens goes, one week he's feuding, it seems like he's feuding with Samoa Joe or like he's tagging up with Samoa Joe to go after them. I think he's going after tag team titles. Oh wait, that doesn't seem to be where it's happening. Oh, it looks like it's gonna be Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. And they just kind of, it seems to me to be a little bit messy. It's just sloppy, it needs tightened up. It needs tightened up. So the 50-50 booking has to go away so that you can get guys like Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens to have more wins than losses so that when they start fighting each other, those matches seem and feel like a happening. Anyways, that's 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 the... Uh, that's where I'm at right now with the WWE, at least with their roster. I mean, if I was to give, talk about today's roster and I was to rattle off a few of those, I mean, you're looking at Braun Strowman, star. Drew McIntyre, star. You've got, you know, I'm just going through um, some of the list here. You've got Adam Cole, star. Charlotte Flair, star. AJ Styles, star, right? Aleister Black on his way to being a star. Okay, Akira Tozawa, he's not a star. Nor should he be. He is the guy on Raw that should be getting his ass kicked. But when he fights for a Cruiserweight Championship, which is his division, it, it, he, he could be a star there. I, I hear so many times where somebody like Akira Tozawa, who you're trying to build as your champion in, in the Cruiserweight division, should not be being pummeled on by heavyweights. Well, that don't make any sense. Do we really believe that if uh, Daniel Cormier and uh, Khabib got in locked arms with each other, the same outcome would be Khabib winning every time? Absolutely not. It's absurd to think that. Divisions do matter. Now, in the world of professional wrestling, if you're touted and built as a wrestler, a technical wrestler, that's different. Somebody like a Daniel Bryan can run circles around you because that's how his character has been portrayed. So he, it's not about size necessarily, but if that is what you are building Akira Tozawa up as, as a cruiserweight, when you put him in a ring against somebody like uh, Akam or a Razor of AOP, he should get his ass kicked. It's just the way it should be. So anyways, the 50-50 booking continues on Monday Night Raw and on Friday Night SmackDown. I think they do a hell of a lot better job of it on NXT. And that showed last night when you had Karrion Cross. Already a well-established superstar comes into the NXT. Now, you could argue that he needs to kind of build his character up, but I love that they're putting him right away against uh, Tomasa Champa because it's going to show you, because A, he looks like a million dollars. He's got Scarlett Bordeaux on his, on his arm. The entrance is great. He's already packaged as a winner. Now, that is an example of where creative backs you right away. But anybody that knows a, you know, a Karrion Cross and knows his history, and I had to go back, I had to figure out why uh, I was supposed to love this guy. I don't know all the ins and outs of why I'm supposed to, but he's presented to me in a, in a light where I feel like a, he's a big deal. Now, that is creative pushing him. He's six foot four. He should be pushed from day one. What shouldn't be taking place is him having to fall from you know the bottom up and have to build himself up. Samoa Joe, he had to do that. 
Some could argue whether or not he needed to or not, but he had to come back to the NXT and kind of prove himself before he worked his way up to the main roster. Anyways, NXT did a great job last night of, I thought it was very entertaining. Uh, Dexter Loomis is an absolute star. Um, and what's great about him is he comes off to me as a natural heel but he's being pushed as a babyface right now. So that's things that you can keep an eye on. That if he ever goes the, the heel route, it will work tremendously, tremendously. So NXT had a lot of good things last night, but I think we should venture over to the AEW side of things because the AEW had their going home show, and I thought all things considered for where they're at right now, 700,000 um, consistent fans weekly, it was a pretty good go-home show. I mean, they're not perfect in everything they do. Um, they're a little bit all over the place, and uh, sometimes I think they take too many chances with their um – with their just the different characters and the, the choices that they make. But uh, I, I think all things considered, they've built this up. I, I, I you know, I, I, I don't think Cody Rhodes is the, you know, main event of a WrestleMania type of caliber, but he is one hell of a storyteller. And maybe he'll make me make me eat my own words one day because every single time he puts together a story, I'm, I'm involved and he just, I don't know if he gives himself a little bit more of the better storylines or not, but if you're going to talk about creative versus, um, you know, getting a creative push also and then going out there and delivering, I think Cody Rhodes is that guy that always delivers. Even when he was a mid-card guy, I always bought into what he was doing. I think he's one hell of a talent and even more, he's just like his dad. He's one hell of a storyteller. Prediction time. Ladies and gentlemen, AEW has their double or nothing pay-per-view this weekend. I thought it'd be fun to go through their card. And let's start at the bottom. MJF versus Jungle Boy. Now, I love Jungle Boy. I actually think he's uh, highly entertaining for, uh, for his size. Uh, but there's no way in the world MJF with Wardlow loses this. Um, so we'll go, with the, we'll go with the heel again. Dr. Britt Baker going against, against Chris Statlander. AEW desperately need somebody other than Britt Baker uh, from the female reign to um, step up as a, you know, a star. Uh, Britt Baker's actually doing a pretty good job of getting herself over and uh, not just getting over, but being rememberable. Um, and I think Chris Stat Statlander needs this more than anything, so she'll go over over Britt Baker. Sean Spears versus Dustin Rhodes. Well, everybody knows that Dustin Rhodes is here. Uh, I will tell you he'll probably bleed, uh, but Sean Spears should take the victory there. Now, the Casino Ladder match has already eight competitors. Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Ray Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Frankie Kazarian, Luchasaurus, and then there's a mystery opponent. And the mystery opponent is interesting. It could be really anybody, but it's going to be somebody that's got to be well-known, I would assume. So you had Drew Gulak, who just got recently let go. Now, the timing of that would be way too quick, and they've been promoting this mystery opponent for a while now, so I don't think it's going to be him. You also had that laundry list of names that just got let go from WWE oh, maybe a little over a month ago. Anybody on that list could show up here. I actually think somebody from that list will. Now, if it's somebody that I don't know that's coming from another organization like an NWA or a TNA or New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, that I, I don't know. But as far as a prediction goes, 
If I am saying in the, that they're touting this match to be the winner, it's kind of like their version of the money in the bank. For those of you that don't know how this match is going to go, it's a really kind of a, a clever creation. It's a mixture of the Royal Rumble meets the money in the bank. They have eight or going to be nine competitors, and every 90 seconds, another person will come to the ring. So you'll start off with your normal two, and then this will they'll have this casino chip kind of floating above the ring, and every 90 seconds, another competitor will come out in the first to grab the chip will win the match and an opportunity against the AEW champion anytime I believe within a calendar year I don't know if that if that part has been put on there or not however what's great about this is that you know you might be at your sixth competitor competitor seven and eight have never came out and nine have never came out and the match could end which then gives somebody who is stuck at the end of that at that um uh, I guess at the end of the the, the bout there um to never even get into the match, and you could put position somebody there and have them, you know, have a, a legitimate gripe about how they didn't get a chance to win it because they never got a chance to come out. So this is a, a really cool opportunity. I believe Darby Allen is the fan favorite. However, is he the best? Is he the best choice for a uh, a champion down the road? I would actually like to see a guy like Luchasaurus win this. So my pick is going to be Luchasaurus with a caveat, though. If the mystery opponent is anybody from the WWE, and yes, anybody from the WWE at all, I will say that that person will win it. Because AEW, as alternative as they are of a choice, they seem to be enjoying their WWE uh, ex-stars, John Moxley, Brody Lee, and Chris Jericho, Matt Hardy. They seem to be the ones that are getting all the gold opportunities. So I believe that in that match, you'll have uh, anybody from WWE as the mystery opponent. They will win. Uh, it could be Rusev, and that would be massive if it is. Uh, going on to the women's championship match, Nyla Rose and Hikaru Shida. She is another one of these girls are, are I don't know. The, the, Nyla Rose is aggressive and I think if she had the right opponent could really, really thrive. Uh, it's just right now the women's division in AEW is just not where it needs to be. Nyla Rose keeps the belt. To me, there's no way that she loses this match. Um, Cody Rhodes with Arn Anderson and Brandy Rhodes versus Lance Archer and Jake the Snake Roberts for the AEW TNT Championship Finals. Here's why I say Cody Rhodes is a great storyteller. He's actually making the AEW TNT Championship Final match mean something. It feels like it could be a you know meaningful championship if uh, if indeed um, they do it and present it in this fashion every single time. So. Uh, I, I called these two finishing from the very beginning. It wasn't on the show, but if you look at the layout of the of the bracket, it just seemed that Cody Rhodes was going to get this far, and then Lance Archer, by all means, will win that match. And uh, putting the uh, the championship on him seems to be the right, I think, the right choice at this moment. Then you have the elite: Kenny Omega, Adam Page, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson. Well, Matt Jackson, I believe, just broke his ribs on last night's episode, but apparently, the elite is going up against the Inner Circle, Chris Jericho, Jake Hagar, Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz in a stadium stampede match, which is going to be outside of the Daly Stadium or the Jacksonville Jaguars place. Um, they're going to fight all over the place. And uh, I believe at the end of the night, 
you should have, with all of these heels winning on the, the card, you should have the Elite going over. Now, whether or not they will or won't, I that remains to be seen, but I think the Elite will win this match. Finally, John Moxley versus Brody Lee. John Moxley, there's no way you can take the strap off of him. Brody Lee, in my opinion, it's just... It's not there yet. It's way too early to say it's not working, but it doesn't work for me. I loved Luke Harper. I dislike Brody Lee. Um, I don't like the whole Dark Order, the color scheme, the whole face mask thing. It just, I like the idea of the Dark Order. The execution to me has just been piss poor. And the only reason Brody Lee is in this match is because, again, they're an alternative to WWE, right? No, they're not. It's because Brody Lee is a recognizable face and putting him against John Moxley, it just makes sense. Well, John Moxley will win this match and therefore should end your AEW double or nothing card, continuing to be your champion. And uh, rightfully so. John Moxley's doing a pretty good job, and I think he's actually done a really good job since transitioning from Dean Ambrose to John Moxley. So he's the, the guy that we wanted him to be in WWE. It just never really came to fruition. And uh, here we are. Here we are. So if you guys are doing anything, you should be watching AEW Double Nothing on pay-per-view Saturday, May 23rd with an 8 p.m. start time. I know I will be. It should be a very enjoyable weekend. And for everybody that has been listening to the show, thank you as always from Anchor and Spotify. There has been a program change. We are no longer going to be putting it up on YouTube as a simulcast. We're going to be bringing you some different programming down the road um, in the weeks coming up as we get our studio set up and solidified here with some of the things that we want to do. We're going to be pushing some different programming on the YouTube channel, so stay tuned. And as always, if you like what you hear, follow, like, or subscribe. Hit that button at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at JBB Wrestling. I know I appreciate it, and we will continue to have a ball here at the JVB show, Johnny Bang Bang. As always, I will see you down the road. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Enjoy the weekend. Yo, 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 yo. Chad Gaspard and JTG. It's crime time.